When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Mitchie Collins, lead vocalist for Los Angeles, California indie pop rockers, Lovely the Band. Together, we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the 2017 standalone breakout hit single, Broken. This is an awesome story of perseverance and belief in oneself. Having briefly tasted a bit of success with his previous band, Oh Honey, Mitchie was at a bit of a crossroads. He had a major label deal, but felt disillusioned a bit by the inner workings of both his band and the label. In hindsight, he realized his heart just wasn't into that particular project any longer. It was then that a series of hard work, coincidences, and luck clashed with the mega-hit single right out of the box. The song was created in a bedroom studio with producer Christian Medice in New York City, and the lead vocal you hear is actually from those sessions. In late 2023, Billboard magazine ranked Broken as the second most successful song on the Alternative Songs chart history. Pretty cool. So for all this and a whole lot more, stick around. This is a good one. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Mitchie, how's it going? Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. I've been following... Uh, your story here for a couple of days and, and looking what uh, you've accomplished. And it, it, it's pretty awesome. You know, I was talking uh, before we started recording with your publicist and, you know, you've been at this for a while, but, you know, if you just look on paper, it seems like you came out of nowhere with Broken. Like this was like your first thing and it was this big smash hit. But, you know, I've, I, I know you were in Oh Honey previous uh, to this from like 2013 to 2016 and doing stuff before that. But, I just love things like this where you just create something. And this song has just taken on a life of all its own. I got to tell you, I've heard it a ton of times. And this podcast, this songwriting podcast has been the greatest thing for me. I know my listeners hear me say this a lot, but I've been able to truly fall in love with music again and find stuff. And if I would have heard this song maybe on the radio years ago, I might not have paid attention to it. Maybe it wasn't in my wheelhouse or it wasn't punk rock enough or something. But man, I found out it was you. And I put this song on and said, oh my gosh, lovely the band is coming on. This song is awesome, man. I love this tune. Thank you. Very well written. Can you can you take us back? Uh, do you remember writing it? Oh uh, yeah. You know, it was a weird time. 
in my life. It's funny, like I continue to have, as we all do, rock bottom moments, you know, in life that you dig yourself out of. Sure. I think especially as a creative person, you know, that's just, I think, par for the course. You hit these downswings and you got to dig yourself out of it. And then this time specifically, you know, I was going through just a really weird phase, like I said. And, um, you know, we had just gotten dropped from Atlantic, my previous band, Oh Honey. So I was, um, you know, pretty much a standard major label music industry cliche. Signed a big record contract, had, you know, a single working, single stalled out. We got shelved, essentially. Um, Had some EPs come out. We kind of got thrown out of the car at 70 miles an hour, (laughs) if that makes sense. (laughs) Was this with Fuel by Ramen? Yes. Yeah, we were on Fuel by Ramen. Yeah, it's side of Atlantic slash Fuel by Ramen. And then, uh, so we kind of got thrown out of the car at like 70, 70 miles an hour. So, you know... We were like, what's going on? You know, we were writing for this album and whatever. Obviously, blessing in disguise, you know, but mm-hmm. that, you know, does something to someone, you know, you're like in this process and the rug gets ripped out from under you. So I was definitely feeling lost. You know, I was definitely like in a spiral of like, you know, I was just unhappy and just kind of mad at the world and everything else. And, you know, and also like with Oh Honey at that time, like I said, like it, it turned out to be a blessing because I, you know, I truly don't think my heart was in it anymore. Right. I got to ask you, I've never had this happen. What kind of frustration is that to, to put your heart and soul into a project and then have some suits in, in an office tell you that they're not going to release it? It was definitely weird. I mean, like we did, we were fortunate enough to get some these EPs out, but we were writing for this full length and then. It just kind of came down to, and you, you know, you compartmentalize and you're like, oh, it's just business. Oh, it's like, you know, their bottom line, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it wasn't a bad situation. I can't like, I can't be like, you know, fuck the major labels, like whatever. They were really gracious. Like we got our, we got most of our masters back and like, you know, it it was the, it was like the best sit bad. It was like the best bad situation you could have, you know? Okay. But like what that does to your psyche in my mental state was like, Oh, like my shit's not good enough. Like what? Uh huh. So in a bad way, it, it fucked with my head. Um, because like, I was just like, you know, I already deal with self-worth issues and like, you know, everything else that comes with creating things. But like I said, like it, it turned out to be a blessing because in my heart of hearts, I knew that my heart wasn't in it anymore. I knew that I like wanted to pick up my like guitar. I knew that I wanted to like do some other shit, you know? Right. I was getting pulled to like create some other stuff. So, you know, I talked to my bandmate and I just was like, hey, like I've been making this other music and like, you know, and this is amidst like a really long drawn out battle with our old management trying to get out of this contract we were in, that delayed stuff. And like, there's just like a lot of stuff, you know, in between. So during this period of time, which was like maybe I'd say like a year and a half and change, I kind of just like was feeling really lost and just got myself in the studio. I called my longtime collaborator. Christian Metis and uh, I was like, hey, at the time I was living in uh, LA, where where I still am living, but he was uh, living in New York City. So I called him and I was like, hey man, I'm coming to New York, and let's get in the studio for a couple weeks. I got some song stuff, I get, you know, whatever. And um, I'd been piecing together this idea in my head. I was like, I don't know what this is gonna be. 
but I have some songs and I have a project idea, you know. And can I ask you where, where you found uh, how, how you knew Christian? Because I looked him up. I, I, I couldn't find too much, but it looks like he's worked with both Pink and Halsey. Yeah, he, um, so actually funny story about that. He, um, he messaged me on MySpace. Oh, wow. In like 2011, I think, maybe 11 or 12. So we've been working together for a long time. So he just messaged me on MySpace back in the day. And, um, you know, he was like, hey, man, just moved to New York City. I'm uh, recording songs for a hundred bucks. Like, and I'll do your first song for free. And this is at the time I was like a solo artist trying to be. This is my early 20s. And I was like, oh, cool. Sounds awesome. So I went to his house. He had this little bedroom studio, legit. Like, we were sitting on his bed in Brooklyn. And we hit it off and we just have been working together ever since. And we've had great success together and, you know, climb the mountaintop of the music industry together. And, you know, it's been awesome. Winning with your friends is the best. For sure. And and from, from what I've seen, I mean, this song was just a standalone single. It was eventually uh, tacked on to your first uh, debut album in uh, August of 2018, Finding It Hard to Smile. Exactly. But did you write this with Christian? Because he was he was credited as a writer along with Samantha DeRosa. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, I wrote it with Christian. Yeah. So at this time I called him, like I said, and I was like, yo, I got to get in the studio. He hit me and was like, hey, I know we have it tomorrow booked. Um, can my friend Sam come? I was like, oh, sure. So that day, we ended up actually writing a different song, which was this song called Emotion, which is a song on our first EP that ended up on our first debut album. wrote that song and we were kicking around another idea it was probably like the last hour of the session and we were kicking around the idea uh, a new idea and like christian had this, that drum beat you know and um and i just started playing along those chords you know that would be broken and we're like okay cool cool and then you know christian's just started humming the melody like da 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 and I was just like looking, it was the last, I was like kind of burnt out. It was the last like hour of the day. And I was just like my, my phone, I was like going through my phone notes and whatever. And I was like, oh, I've had this lyric for a minute. Maybe this could be cool. And it was, you know, I like that you're broken, broken like me. And they were like, okay, cool. We ended up getting the chorus done that day. And I remember being like fighting, like, because like, I was like, okay, cool. We got, I like that you're lonely. lonely I could be lonely with you. I'm, I remember being like, Oh, the, the, the lyric doesn't, it's not enough of a clincher. It doesn't, it doesn't hit hard enough. I was like, but it's fine for now. Let's just keep it. And then, so then me and him got in the studio about a week later. And then I just, and then I just finished the, finished that record. And then that was like the third song I think we wrote for the project. And then, yeah, it was the first song we put out. And then we, we honestly, the crazy part of that song though, is like, it just goes to show you really never know. And I've been wrong before. And I'm glad I was wrong in this instance because, like, what we put broken out. And amidst this, I was calling my best friend, Dennis, who was not my manager at the time, who is my manager now. But he's my best friend. And um, he's always been like my back and forth guy. I call him, you know, when I need to get talked off a ledge or whatever. He's not going to lie to you, he's, he's going to shoot it straight. Exactly. Makes a great manager. <laughs> but 
I sent it to him and he called me and he's like, yo, I think you might have something here. And I was like, yeah. He's like, what, what's the deal? I was like, I don't know. A, a band maybe. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, so I miss that feeling, you know, that camaraderie of being in a band. I was like, I think maybe in a band and like, it'd be cool to play music festivals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah. So anyway, long conversations. We ended up, uh, I ended up putting the band together and then uh, we released Broken in uh, April of 2017. You know, so we put that song out and we were like, okay, cool. This will be like a first entryway and like kind of like a hello to the band. And little did you know. <laughs> yeah, we didn't think it was a hit. You know, we thought it was a great song, but we thought our song, These Are My Friends, was like the monster hit. You know, we were yeah. like, yeah, okay, we got one. Like, let's go. You know, let's go to war. Isn't that funny how that happens where you think this song is going to be it and you just get blindsided? Totally. And all of a sudden, Broken started to take off on the internet. Uh, announced the project in March 2017. Released Broken April 2017. Signed a deal with Another Century, which is this little baby indie that later got absorbed by Sony Red. Shout out Don Robertson. Changed my life. And then June, we played our first show and we were off on tour like three weeks later. Well, how does that happen? Did, did the label, were they able to facilitate getting you on commercial radio? Because this song went way past any, you know, satellite radio, any uh, type of uh, underground bubbling on the internet. This thing, I was hearing this in grocery stores. This song was everywhere. Yeah, so it was funny. So I mentioned before that, like, you know, I'd just gotten out of, like, the major label cliche, right? Yeah. So going into this project, I had a chip on my shoulder. I was like, fuck everybody. Fuck this. Like, fuck the major labels. I'm never doing that again. Fuck big management teams. I'm just never doing that again. Like, I'm not going to deal with, like, that kind of, like, infrastructure and, like, made to feel like I'm working for someone. Like, I'm doing this my way with my friends. And, like, um, so we – so our friend Renee Mata was, I guess, driving around L.A. maybe or New York with, with Don Robertson, who was the president of this this record label called Another Century, um, which is, like, this, like – little indie and um he heard it i got an email uh, i went to his office like the next week we talked he sent an offer and at this time we were like taught we had a few things on the table like people were starting to sniff around and you know he called us we got a deal out because i was like all right i'm not doing the major system let's keep it small let's just like build this thing and do it our own way and at the time i didn't have a manager and i kept calling dennis and I eventually I was just like, yo, man, like you, you got to manage me. Like this is, we, they, we're getting <laughs> leads here. And he's like, all right, we'll figure it out. And that's kind of just been our whole motto, but is like, you know, we'll figure it out. But, but basically then what happened? So you asked about commercial radio. We signed the deal in May, play our first show. Everything's going cool. August comes around and another century is a, a, a subsidiary of a, another label called um, Century Media. That's the parent company. Right. Yep. And um, so in August, Century Media got acquired by Sony. <laughs> and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. It's happening again. <laughs> and, you know, and like for those listening that don't know, that's kind of like the scariest thing possible to happen to an artist is when you sign to a little indie and then you get absorbed by a major label because they can cut fat. They can, you know, shelve you that it's just all about like 
you know, seeing what's worth keeping and like, you know, yeah, where do you exist within the food chain? Exactly. So we were fortunate enough that like, you know, the president at red was a big fan and like loved what we were doing. So like he kind of let Don keep going and like everything kind of just kept like falling into place. And then it was, I think September, I mean, I might have my timelines wrong, but I think like September, I think it was around September. We went to radio quote unquote which is when they start servicing the song to terrestrial radio. And, um, you know, God bless our radio team and the, and honestly the label. Cause like we stalled out, which means like we lost, our, we lost our bullet. So in radio terms, that means like we're, we were down spins at alternative radio format in the mid twenties. Right. Which is usually the kiss of death. Like when you're down spins, like that's when radio station starts pulling, being like, oh, it's not working, like whatever. Or, or the label will pull the plug, being like, oh, it's not working, like next. Right. But thankfully to Scott Burton and everybody and Don and everyone at the label, Scott Burton's the head of radio, the guy that, you know, has worked with us our whole career. He kept pushing and we got out of the weeds. And then all of a sudden we got into the top, we got into the top 20. And then all of a sudden, like this, it just started snowballing. You know, we were like streaming hundreds of thousands of streams a day. And then it got, we got in the top 10 and then it just didn't leave the top 10 for 72 weeks. And we were at number one for 11 weeks and like on billboard. And I love the story. I love that you had to leave something behind that you ultimately felt your heart wasn't into and it opened up this door. And as you said, all these little pieces started happening. I'm going to brag about you here for a second. The song topped the Billboard Alternative Songs chart and Billboard Rock Airplay chart for several weeks. Uh, something you worked on in a bedroom. It's incredible. It spent nine weeks at number one on Billboard's Alternative Songs chart. It held the record for longest running entry on that chart at 76 weeks, eclipsing the 65-week run of Savior by Rise Against. We previewed that song uh, with uh, Tim from Rise Against on the show until it was passed by the chart run of another band we had on all-time low with Monsters. In late 2023, Billboard ranked Broken as the second most successful song in the alternative song charts history that's that's insane uh that congratulations again that is so cool uh since then as you mentioned before you released an ep and two other records and your third album came out on june 2nd 2023 if we're being honest and mitchy i want to jump into this song right now and i gotta ask did you do a demo for this or was this just created and when you were creating it that was what we hear to be honest, like there really wasn't much. There's a few things added after, obviously, like we sauced it up after the first day and whatever, and we added parts, but like we put real drums on it. We cut some real guitars, layers towards the end, but the vocals are what, like, I cut that, like, you know, first couple sessions. That was just that. I love that. And then I like, love that. There's a little, and then a little kind of like anecdote about the little fun Easter egg in the song just kind of a weird full circle moment. So with Broken, before it came out, um, Renee, the guy that introduced us to Don, who would later sign us, called me when I was in LA. And he's like, yo, man, come to NRG, which is an iconic recording studio here in LA, where we ended up actually doing drums and a bunch of stuff on our second album. But he called me, he's like, yo, man, come to NRG Studio B. And I was like, which is like the famous room there. I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, I want you to meet Chester from Lincoln Park. And I was like, oh, okay, sit. So we go in there. This is like maybe a handful of months before he passed away. 
which was pretty crazy. And, you know, sweetest guy in the whole world. I played him some of the songs, played him broken. And there's this little like stabby part, like this reggae guitar part that uh, yep. <laughs> in the second three chorus of broken. And he was the one that was like, Hey, what if you added like a little reggae kind of vibe here? It'd be cool to like do a cut time. I was like, Oh, I never thought of that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I ended up putting it in and then unfortunately, you know, he passed away a few months later and to full circle that, you know, we just had our single, this song called sail away from our third album reached number three on the alt radio charts this, this past year. And the reason that we were, you know, we were fighting for number one, but in a weird twist of fate, Lincoln park released a song, uh, like an unreleased Chester song. So we were like kind of on the chart at the same time again, which was just a kind of like a weird, I don't know, full circle moment. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, the song's three minutes and 24 seconds. And I got to tell you, when I say this, you're gonna be like, huh? But there's really nine choruses in this song. I don't know if you realize that or not. Okay, no. between the synth between the synth melody uh -huh. and the choruses, the choruses are all the same. They don't differentiate lyrically. Okay, so you're talking about hitting somebody with a hook, and we're going to get into the nine times here in a moment. But it's the song is three minutes and twenty four seconds. There's a six bar intro that begins with a synth that, Mitchie, it sounds like a uh, super suspenseful part of a movie is about to happen right when this thing starts, and then right from there we immediately uh, get the earworm. I'm calling it the hook which is the main synth hook of the song this progression at the top is the same progression as the chorus the verses are the same progression and we get a departure later in the bridge but i've mentioned this before on the show i struggle saying this word to other songwriters i never mean a derogatory you want to talk about a simple song that you can't get out of your head? This is it. I've cursed you the last two days. I can't stop saying it's driving me crazy. I'm thinking maybe when I get done recording with you, I can get this hook out of my head. But it is so catchy. Immediately, 11 seconds in, we're in to chorus one. That's how the song starts. I like that you're broken, broken like me. I like that you're broken, broken like me. Maybe that makes me a fool. I like that you're lonely, lonely like me. I could be lonely with you. And aren't we all trying to search through lyrics, a way to say something different than everybody said it through time? And here you've come across something that, uh, that speaks to me. Who doesn't that speak to? Who can't relate to that? It's funny. Like, I never know what a song's about until like it's done being written because i don't like think about lyrics like i'll like i mean i'll edit you know what i mean but like when i'm writing i'm just like it's just pouring out of me like it just literally just falls out you know so i'm not thinking about i'm not sitting down and writing i don't it's hard to explain and i'm not trying to sound like i'm some like whatever i'm just saying how i operate you know like i mm -hmm. not by no means special or like some guru i'm just saying like how words come to me and I'll like hear things in my head and I'll just start singing. And mm -hmm. that one's in particular, you know, like I said, I had that lyric, just the front half, the front bit. Like, I like that you're broken, broken like me written down in my notes, probably for like three or four years. I was going to ask, is that a been a, is, was that something sitting around and you just answered the question? Yeah. So 
I always marvel at that too, because I got stuff in, in notebooks from you know, 20 years ago that I, I wonder if it is ever going to make it and do a song. And how did that lyric jump off the paper to you? How'd that happen? Man, I don't know. I just kind of wrote it down. I think I was just like, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe that's something later. And then, like I said, when we were writing that song and the, it was just kind of like, just by happenstance, like melodically and, and all the syllables lined up. And, you know, when Christian was like, da, 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 I was like, Oh, I like that you're broken, broken like me. Well, that that could work, and um, and yeah, it just ended up like the puzzle pieces fit together. Was that synth hook, you know, which you're basing the melody off? Was that did that happen first, or did the melody happen? No, the chorus melody happened first. It did. Then, okay, okay. And I was like, "What? We need like a synth thing," and then I just played. Yeah, it. yeah. That's awesome. Well, a lot of cool stuff going here. And I got to tell you, Mitchie, I thought that this was programmed drums, but you're telling me now that were they all programmed? Was, was this all all played on this? Oh, it's like half and half. Half and half. Okay. Okay. Because at the top here, of course, one sounds like a drum loop and a bass guitar. And that does sound like real bass to me, not synth yeah. bass. It's real bass. Okay. And, and, and man, the tone here uh, and the feel of the bass is killer. Uh, that drum loop and bass guitar join us here in verse one. Halfway through on the line, maybe that makes me a fool. The uh, There's a four-note synth hook that happens there as well. And uh, the chorus, again, like I said, it hits right off the bat. It sounds like there's unison vocals here. It's not a harmony. Is that you doubled or is that guitarist Jordan Greenwald? So that's there's like a stack of my own voice, and then there's gang vocals kind of padded around it of just me and, uh, of me and Christian. Okay, you and Christian, because I noticed, and I believe it's Jordan, I, I watched some live videos of this I wanted to see, and man, it sounds awesome. So I thought maybe he was providing the uh, the unison vocals there. He does live, and so does Sam. Yeah. Um, but no, this recording, this was before they were in the band. It wasn't a case of, you can sing it live, but you're not good enough for the studio. That's good to know. No, it was just, uh, <laughs> it was just before we were a band, this was just like creative process well right out of uh, chorus one which basically like i said starts the song we're in verse one i met you late night at a party some trust fund babies brooklyn loft by the bathroom and you said let's talk but my confidence is wearing off well, these are i met you late night at a party some trust fund babies brooklyn loft I love that. By the bathroom, you said, let's talk. But my confidence is wearing off. Yeah. Uh, just kind of setting the tone, you know? I like storytelling. I like setting the scene. Those are my favorite songs, you know? Songs with like, like it's a natural saying, but like songs with a lot of furniture in it. You know, you can set yourself in the room. Is this true? Were you at, were you at a Trust Fund Baby's Brooklyn Loft? A creative license. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> no, because, you know, like... I've, I've said to songwriters on here before, like I love stories like that. And songwriters can sometimes ramble and make these incredible stories that just hook you from the minute they start, start singing the song. I can't do that as a lyricist. I just don't really. So when I look at something like this and someone says to me, Oh, that's just something that came to my head. I just marvel at it, you know, but uh, you're saying there could be some truth to it, but you're pleading the fifth. I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that just kind of speaks to, you know, like you've all, you know, you meet this person and then, got some liquid courage going and you're like, oh, 
Well, I love uh, no bass guitar here. What I'm calling the first two lines, I met you late night at a party, some trust fund babies, Brooklyn loft, just guitar. And I'm hearing finger snaps. Are those finger snaps real? No. No, they're not. Okay. Because I, I can snap, but man, I've tried recording finger snaps. They just don't sound good. I don't know how they did it in the 50s and 60s and 70s before all the all the toys we have now. I just can't get it to sound good. Maybe I'm using the wrong mic. But uh, after Loft, you get these ride cymbal hits, seven of them, ding, 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 panned off to the right. On the next two lines, a washed out drum, uh, like a kick and snare come in. The snare having the quality of hand claps. And at the very end here, there's a little bass run that takes us into pre-chorus one. Well, these are my people. These are my friends. She grabbed my face and that's when she said. Well, these aren't my people. These aren't my friends. She grabbed my face. And that's when she said, yeah, I mean, like that's just kind of like, you know, you just kind of feel lonely in a crowded room. You know, you ever like we've all been there at a party. Oh, yeah. And like you're invited to a spot and like you're trying to have a good time. But you look around and you're like, I hate it here. Why am I here? Uh-huh. Like, you know, like I don't even like these people. Yeah. I mean, that just kind of speaks to that. And then you're just kind of looking for that. Like, you know what it said, you're looking for your people. You know, you're looking that they aren't it. I love that lyric because how many times does that happen? Not even at a party, just real life. Yeah. You know, someone says, hey, you have to go to this whatever, this meeting. And, and hey, I'm, I'm going to drag you along to my meeting. And you find yourself at this thing and you're like a cocktail party. You're like, why am I here? So I, I, I fully, fully relate to that lyric. Uh, the bass and the main synth hook come back here in pre-chorus one. But it's a slight variation of that synth hook. It's not exactly the same. And uh, right after the second line, she grabbed my face, and that's when she said, the band comes to a complete stop, and there's another hook that I'm talking about. There's these two kick drums, bump, bump, that take us in to chorus two. The same chord pattern here as verse one with a different melody on pre-chorus two. So it's the same chords, but a slightly different melody that takes us in to chorus two with that bump, bump on the kick drum. She said, I like that you Chorus two, same instrumentation as chorus one. Uh, and man, this type of song, why would you mess with it? <laughs> it's just, I mean that. I think it's the perfect lyric. Why would you hit him with something else? And by now, you know, the main synth hook at the start of the song, you get the chorus. So that's two times you've heard that hook. Now we're hearing it again on chorus two. That's the third time. And then right after chorus two, you get an eight-bar reintro with the main synth hook melody again. At the halfway point, there's a cool counter synth that kind of happens off right. That's the fourth time. I mean, you're steamrolling people with that synth and that vocal hook. I'm all about repetition. I love quirky, cool music, indie rock, you know, the whole thing. But like growing up, like, you know, some kids learn how to play guitar and shred and like some kids learn how to sing really well or, you know, whatever they did. I was always way more interested in like why a song was good. You know, like I was like, why is this song better than this song? Why is it right. like, you know, like a song structure and like 
melodic sense and lyric and it's like why is this good also like when i really started diving into songwriting like i was obsessed with the writing of like max martin and the swedish writers and like how like their melodic math and where like all these notes are hitting and like so i think just subconsciously like i've always just been i've always had a propensity for like simplicity and how can i deliver the simplest thought in the easiest way and that's easiest digestible to somebody you don't want to overload the listener with too much information but you want to give them enough that they stay interested Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Mitchie Collins coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, it's Chris to Makes a Podcast producer, Chris Fafalius. Will you do me a favor real quick? Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to One Hit Thunder. It's the show that I host with my good buddy, Matt Kelly, where we have guests from the world of music and comedy and art, and together we dive deep into a band or artist that people consider a one-hit wonder and decide if they brought the thunder or were just a blunder. You'll laugh, you'll learn, maybe you'll get mad at us, who knows? We have an enormous back catalog that includes episodes about Eagle Eye Cherry, Stacy Q, Looking Glass, The Weather Girls, Tag Team, Four Non Blondes, Martika, Creation, Sixpence None the Richer. I could go on and on. But how about you just subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods and experience the fun for yourself. And now, back to the show. I don't think you could have put this hook in again. It's not overkill, though. But you, you know, what's the catchiest part of the song? And and how many times can I put it in there without overkill? You found that math with this one. You know, if you want to attribute it to the Swedish songwriters, and those guys are geniuses, by the way, yeah. that write that stuff. A lot of it's mathematical, the BPMs, the yeah. beats per minute of a song, and how long the song, and there's some calculated stuff going on there. But right after this eight-bar reintro, we're into verse two. A lot of cool things happen here. The drum feel changes. The guitars get a bit louder than verse one, and they may have a bit more gain on them. There's no bass guitar here. And at the end of verse two, we get that little bass run that takes us into the pre-chorus again. I'm calling that a hook. There's something tragic, but almost pure. Think I could There's something tragic, but almost pure. Think I could love you, but I'm not sure. There's something wholesome. There's something sweet tucked in your eyes that I'd love to meet. It's just like that, that initial meeting of someone, especially if you meet someone out, you know, it's almost like you're trying, you have this like quick 30 seconds to a minute to get a read on somebody, you know, and you're trying to like dissect this person in a second and then trying to play in your head, at least for me. I have run through these like, yeah, it's like speed dating. Yeah. I run through these like <laughs> things. I'm like, Oh, like, 
or also just a curiosity of like, who are you? You know, like, what could you be? What are you? What don't I want to know about you? What do I want to know about you? We never have a second chance at first impressions, do we? We de- we never do, but I guess it depends on how drunk someone is when you meet them. <laughs> or, or how bad the first impression was, or if they don't remember. Exactly. Uh, pre-chorus two. Again, we get the same lyric. You know, at the top here when we started talking, I said there's something simple about this song. You know, a lot of songs by the second pre-chorus, you're introducing way more instruments. Everything's getting fuller. You're building the song. And not so much with this tune. I don't think you need it. It's just kind of going along. And this melody happens so many times. It's just, it's, it's engaging within itself. These are my people. These are my friends. She grabbed my face and that's when she said, I like Again, same lyrics here. Same drum groove as verse two. We're staying in that world. I love what's happening there with the drums. Those sound like real drums to me. Yes. The drums start getting peppered in real as the song goes on. Man, you've broken the song down way, way further than I ever even thought. (laughs) Well, you're like, did you mean to do this? Did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) No, and you're not the first person to say that. We've uh, we've been at this for about uh, going on four years now. I can't tell you. And some of these guys I have on the show, Mitchie, this is going back 40 years. I don't know how they remember anything about the song. So uh, I'm glad this is only about uh, about seven years old. I I still got you kind of fresh here. But yeah, same drum groove as verse two here. The bass guitar is here. The main synth hook variation. Okay, this part you had mentioned earlier with the guitar upstroke. That part kind of reminds me of the police a little bit. I love that. Halfway through, these aren't my people. These aren't my friends. We get those two upstrokes panned off right. And between she grabbed my face. And that's when she said, we get it there as well. And then a guitar chord rings out panned off right. That was not present in pre-chorus one. Right before we get that bump, bump, that kick drum again to lead us into chorus three. Again, same lyric. And at this point between Christian, you're in the studio, you're, you're working on the track. Was there ever that discussion of maybe we should change up the lyrics here on Chorus 3? No. <laughs> no, hit, no. Hit him with it. You know, just hit him with it. Good. Good. Because a, a lot of times I'll hear that too. It's like, yeah, we thought about putting another line there, but you know what? We felt we had everything to, to say here. Or other times, like you said, it's like there wasn't even anything. This was it. And we, and we were going for it. I like that. You know, I have a hard time, I don't know if you can relate to this, sometimes committing to a part mm-hmm. and believing in it enough and saying, this part's good enough to stand alone as a chorus. I don't need to fudge it up. Yeah, I struggle with that a lot. Conceptually, melodically, I think more so like I get lost. But once I'm, I, I guess less with like lyric and melody and stuff, because once I'm like locked on something, I'm like, okay, that's it. I get lost more in like the music side because I can just noodle all day. And eventually <laughs> you're like, just- Pick one. Right. And I noticed 
live, and I got to ask this, rarely do I get into this, but I'm just, I'm, I was kind of perplexed by it. I noticed you're playing the capo way up on like the fifth or sixth fret. Yeah. Now I played this, I played this song in standard tuning, but I also capoed it on the second fret. So I don't know what, maybe, maybe Jordan live plays off the second fret and you, you go way up cause you're playing more of the lead stuff. Yeah. So I, um, I love I like, I love the capo voicings. Yeah. So like that's how, um, it's layered in there. We'll do the like just standard tuning, and then I'll put the capo up on the on the high voicings like that to just give it a little extra like sparkle. Yeah, I always get the guitar out and try to go through the songs and kind of you know get a visual on it uh, before I even you know break down like I'm doing now the the lyrics and I like try to get a feel for the arrangement. I thought that I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, after chorus three, we get another eight bar intro okay so we're at like six times that you've heard this synth hook you've heard this vocal hook uh it's great because it again it's an extension of the chorus using the synth instead of vocals here and then we get into a bridge and this bridge comes really late in the song almost feel like you needed it but the song's so catchy i don't even know if you had to go to it. you probably just could have went back to the choruses again uh, and i mean that with all sincerity but we get this bridge uh it's a great departure the drum groove again changes a new synth is running underneath that snare sounds like hand claps again and i hear a beautiful clean guitar kind of like with a chorus uh type effect on top uh, it's kind of sparkly and perfect for this part Life is not a love song that we like We're all broken pieces floating by Life is not a love song We can try to fix our broken pieces One at a time I like that Life is not a love song that we like We're all broken pieces floating by Life is not a love song we can try to fix our broken pieces one at a time. It's a cool lyric. Thank you. Yeah, that was like the kind of like a last minute addition to the song. We knew it had to go somewhere. Christian had the ideas for those chords and the cut time kind of drum pattern. And then, uh, yeah, the, the lyrics just kind of fell out. And that was a part where I wanted to make it, that was a conscious decision where the story in the song is about, it's like more of a story. I wanted to make sure the bridge was more of like a, a universal thought, an overarching of the theme of it. I fully get what you're saying, but guess what I want to ask you is, how did that happen in that part of the songwriting? Because you're writing from the narrative that you were, and all of a sudden you're like, no, for this bridge, I want it to be universal. Do you remember that when that happened, and did you discuss it with Christian? How'd that come about? Yeah, definitely in my head, I definitely had the thought. I was like, this part needs to be universal. It's too specific, the rest of the song. There needs to be like a, a broader picture here. Like we're all in this. It's not just me. It's like we're all this. Yeah, I've I've done that before, and I've had my bandmates say, "Wait a second, you you, you changed from first person to third person." Here. Like, that, what are you doing? And I'm I do that all the time. <laughs> though I yeah. always switch tenses. It's not on purpose sometimes, but like even in Broken, I switch tenses a lot. Right, you know, right. It goes from first person to third person to like you know like a lot in the song. Like if you just re- if you read through the words, like my manager, I remember like this was a couple of years ago. He's like, so I've never like said this because obviously the song's a big hit and we've had success. But like, <laughs> did you not realize you changed tenses like three times in the song? I'm like, no, yeah. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes that's what engages the listener and you don't even know why yeah. it's because you like, who, who are they talking to? And it's like this herky jerky thing. And, and, uh, I, I love that. I love when, uh, you're able to do that within a song and get away with it. It doesn't always work. 
Now we get the swell of a synth that comes in after this bridge, and then we hear again. That hook, I'm calling it, that bump, bump, that kick drum. You know the chorus is coming again. This time, same lyrics. It's just a double chorus, same overall instrumentation, but an overdriven guitar is here playing some single note stuff. It's pretty buried, but it's haunting, and it gets louder for the outro. I like that you broken, broken like me. guitar is like a rock and roll kind of fuzzy almost like i don't know old old southern rock or hendrix or something how that how that come about it's really interesting but it works really cool here yeah so by the end of the song we we knew it needed to go somewhere new so we wanted to like give it like a big moment so yeah we added those big drumming guitars and then on the outro under it then it continues on like because it's just strumming out that and then it goes into this this droning heart like almost like a counter melody it is so cool. Uh, and I wrote nine chorus hooks in the song. The intro and chorus one. That's that intro, synth in the chorus. Chorus two in the reintro. Chorus three in the reintro. That's six. The double chorus, seven, eight. And your outro, you hear the main synth hook again. <laughs> that's nine times in this song that you beat people in this submission with, it, with just an amazing hook. The outro, which is basically the intro, it's an eight-bar outro. Um, get the main synth hook, guitars, drums, and bass guitar, and that guitar lick with lots of reverb on it. The guitar is the last thing you hear, which is interesting. It's kind of a synth pop song. The last thing you hear is this guitar kind of rever- reverberating out. The song's done. You had mentioned at the top that you had other songs that you were really kind of feeling something for. And the song starts doing what it's doing. You get absorbed by this major, and now you're hearing it on the radio. I mean, at what point did it hit you like, oh my gosh, everything did happen for a reason, and and here I am, and my career took this path I had no idea was going to happen? I didn't think this was going to happen the way it did, but I always knew it was going to happen, if that makes any sense. Like, okay. I never had a plan B, you know what I mean? Like since I was like a kid, like three years old, I've had a guitar in my hand. I knew this was it. You know, I never went to college. I barely graduated high school. So I always knew that I was going to figure this out one way or another at which capacity of success that was to be determined. But I always knew that it was going to work out. You know, I had this just delusion or feeling or whatever it is. A man, big, big believer in manifestation and everything, all that other spiritual shit, you know, because my whole life has been based around it. You know, like looking back, it's like I've dreamt things into existence and they've all happened. So to answer your question, yes, seeing the like the trajectory of this song and what happened with it and like the accolades that have come along with it, fucking mind blowing. But like, no, never in a million years of my wildest dreams, 
did I think that I would write the, according to Billboard, the second greatest alternative rock song of all time? <laughs> Crazy. I never thought that, yeah. you know, like, but it happened, but I always knew that I was going to figure this music thing out one way or another. Yeah. You had, you believed in the dream, man. Isn't, isn't that what, what we all do? And it's funny. Like I, I talked to a lot of my friends who have moved on from music and do other stuff. And like, you know, kids I grew up with, they're like, dude, you did it, man. Like you, you, that's crazy. You did it. I was like, no, I just didn't stop doing it, you know? And mm-hmm. that's the only difference. Like you guys stopped doing it. I just didn't stop doing it. Well, and I'll tell you something that people uh, probably, I don't think I've really talked about it on this show. And, uh, you know, when you have something like this happen in your career, the, the real perseverance is what you do after it. Because you're always going to be measured by your biggest success. And, exactly. And, and, and that's, that was the biggest, I think, mindfuck mentally. You know, your first song. That, 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 like, also, too, was very, when you have this, like, kind of categoric rise on your project, right? Our first song out. First song. Yeah. <laughs> my ego. That's what's crazy. My ego was, like, through the fucking roof. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm, we're one for one. We can't miss. let's go go. you were one for one and then the universe had other plans (laughs) like you know um yeah man but listen you had that hit and gosh you know i remember when uh, all through my life the 70s 80s 90s whether it was teen pop sensations rock bands you'd see them rise and then they kind of might do a little dip, right? And 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 maybe you think people forgot about them or they're passe. But guess what? It always comes back. Ride the career out, man. You had the hit, and congratulations. I I I love the story here. I I appreciate you coming on. And and before we break, what uh, what's coming up with the band? What do you, what do you any tours coming up? What do you got going on? Uh, we just released a a single called "Nice to Know You" uh, about a month ago. We're super excited about it. Dropped an album in june of last year and had great success we're super proud of it then we got in the studio and tapped into something new and we're like well might as well finish another one so started rolling new music out nice to know he's out doing some uh we're doing alter ego festival iHeartRadio radio uh in january and when what i'm really excited about is we're doing a back to where it all started show my band started at the roxy theater uh at this little club above it called on the rocks in Los Angeles. Of course. And um, yeah. In La- that's where my band started. And it, uh, you know, that place holds a lot of nostalgia and memory and, and a special place in my heart. So uh, we're doing a show next month at the Roxy. Just bring it back to where it all started and just, it's going to be a fun night. So I'm, I'm really excited to bring the new show into that. And then, yeah, we'll be on the road all year and doing what we do. Awesome, Mitchy man. Thank you so much for uh, for hopping on today. Thanks for having me, man. I mean, like, dude, I got I got to be honest. Like, I, uh, your band's a lot of the reason why I do what I do. I grew up listening to your shit. Like, dude, like Losing Streak was like I played that album so much on my CD player that it burned a hole in it. <laughs> that like, I would rock that shit to the skate park like all the time. Thank you for saying that. And man, I, everything I said, I meant I, this is such a cool, uh, cool story that, that happened here. And, and congratulations. Thanks, man. Appreciate Sugar in your gas tank will forever be one of my favorite songs. It was nice to know you
hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mitchie Collins. The song you were just hearing is lovely. The band's nice to know you. So go check that out wherever you get your music. And don't go anywhere. We got lots more Krista Makes a Podcast coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's band you might not know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, email your best song via MP3 only and a short bio to band you might not know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is In Shallow Seas, a post hardcore band from Baltimore, Maryland, consisting of Trevor Bundy on guitar and vocals, Veronica Bundy on guitar, Sean Alexander on bass, and Nelson Tikas on drums. You can find their music on all the streaming services. Here's a snippet of their song. Upside of burning down. Chris and Chris. So, Chris, this is one of those rare music industry redemption stories. I like that he said he knew that he was going to figure this out one way or another. You got to love that confidence. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that confidence, you're probably not going to make it. He knew it was going to work out. He wasn't going to stop. He said it. He had friends. I assume his friends were probably good at music too. They just stopped. If you stop, it's never going to happen. Yeah, and I, you know he was careful with his words. He didn't want to come off as like he was being egotistical, but I get it. You know, I yeah. that perseverance, that dream, that drive. And hey, maybe he never had the number one Billboard hit on the alternative chart, but hey, he's still out there at fifty years old. Cough, cough. Uh, playing shows and and you know <laughs> li- living life. You don't have to have that number one hit. You can be a career musician, and uh, good for him for having that drive. Hell yeah. Uh, I really related to what he said, and I felt like you kind of didn't. You kind of had a look on your face like you didn't relate to this thing he said. I know that the listeners can't usually see the look on your face. Only only I can. But he talked about not knowing what the song was about until it's done, that it just pours out of him. It just falls out. Dude, that's me. When I'm writing, these things just kind of pour out of me if I'm sitting in front of the mic with the Logic session open or whatever. And then I finish the song and I listen back and I'm like, oh, I know what this is about, but I'm not thinking about that 
when I'm writing, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I wasn't so much perplexed about it. I was in deep thought about when about that when he was saying it. You know, there's there's so many different ways to write a song. It's like, I'm going to write a song about my heartache with my ex. Okay, that's one way to go about it. I'm going to write a song about something funny that happened at school today. That's another way. And then there's the way where it just, it's stream of consciousness. It hits the paper. You don't even know what you're writing about. And as we've heard on the show, Chris, sometimes it's weeks, months, years later where, where someone finally realizes uh that their 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 words of therapy they were writing down oh that's what it's about right and right off the bat he talked about this time when he was writing this song being a rock bottom moment in his life yeah he didn't know what he was doing i mean i think a lot of it had to do with i don't know disillusion with the record industry and everything and feeling like where is my career going and look what comes out of that? Look what rises out of the ashes like a phoenix. One of the biggest songs on Billboard Alternative Radio ever. Also, Chris, I talked to you, I think about this on the after party sometime in the past six months or something. But when you think about the sound of a decade, it's hard to like narrow it down. But when I think of the 90s, I think a lot of grunge. When I think of the 2000s, a lot of people think of like kind of our world of music, like punk rock and emo and stuff they think of that that decade but when i think of the 2010s i think of the style that lovely the band is that sort of indie dancey pop bands like phoenix foster the people mgmt things like that where lovely the band fits right in that's kind of the sound of that decade to me anyway yeah no and and this is an interesting type of song and i don't say this you know being mean it's not uh, from a from a you know, a bad place, but this is the kind of song, Chris, that you could be a fan of indie type synth pop music and love this song, but you could also be a, an older um, gentleman or, or lady driving their kids to soccer. It's one of those songs that's just catchy and it's it's not offensive and it's just, it's, it's a great song. It could appeal to anyone. It definitely appeals to me. This style is definitely like in my wheelhouse. I love pop. I love pop music. Mm-hmm. This is textbook pop music and I love it. And what you were talking about in the episode about how that hook, maybe if he would have done it one more time, it would have been overkill, but they found the perfect mathematical equation for just the amount of times for that hook to make it a hit. I love that shit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, I- I, I told him you, you couldn't have crammed it in again. I don't think you, you you found the maximum right mathematical equation for this song and they executed it perfectly. If you want to hear Chris and I execute uh, our talking more perfectly, you can go to chrisdemakes.com. I don't know. That made no sense. Execute our talking more perfectly. <laughs> Sound like a, 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 not even a third grader, more like a first grader, maybe trying to uh, get, get his sentences out. Anyhow, yes, KristenMakes.com, that is our supporting cast, which is basically our Patreon, where we elaborate on things such as the history of music, Billboard Top 100 hits, and everything in between. We talk a lot of music. We talk a lot of history. We have a lot of laughs. We do a lot of learning. It's a good time for a few bucks a month, and like Chris said, you can support the podcast that way we kind of we we rely on your support we're like pbs that's right Except we do have some ads we do have some ads too but you know trying to make it work over here at krista makes a podcast that's right and krista's been putting up a lot of really cool videos over on the krista makes a podcast instagram page so go over there and give us a follow if you can follow me on instagram at less than christy you can follow chris at chris fafalius and if you haven't already 
We have a Facebook group with over 5,000 members. It's a lot of fun. Go over there and join that. want to thank this week's guest, Mitchie Collins, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Krista Makes a Podcast producer, Chris Fafali, is here. Do you enjoy music documentaries? I think I've watched every VH1 behind the music ever. Whether I was super familiar with the artist or not, I was always fascinated with the story. Well, that's what inspired me and my friends to create the Podcast. I think I just invented that term. A band called Punchline, which, yeah, it's the story of the band that I've been in for like 70% of my life now. But we approach the story in a way that's relatable to anyone who's played in a band or loved music or experienced heartbreak or struggled or has just been on a Forrest Gump-like journey through life. I'm really proud of this pod. So if you're a Krista Makes a Podcast or a One Hit Thunder fan, I think you'll love it. You can subscribe to a band called Punchline for free wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. It would mean the world to me, and I think you'll love it. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.